the famous five. Five on Kiran Island again. Dedicated to Zora and Jazz. Apologies in advance for misreading, repeating myself, and losing the place. Chapter 7 A Little Squabble A sound made them turn. It was the boy's father coming up. He nodded to the children. Making friends, he said amiably. That's right, my boy's pretty lonely here. I hope you'll come up and see us sometime. Finished your conversation, son? Yes, said the boy. This boy here says that island is his, and he's going to take me over to it when his father's finished working there, and that won't be long. And do you know the way through all those wicked rocks, said the man? I shouldn't care to try it. I was talking to the fishermen the other day, and not one of them appeared to know the way. This was rather astonishing. Some of the fishermen did know it. Then the children remembered that these men had all been forbidden to take anyone to the island while Uncle Quinton was at work there. It was clear that they had pretended not to know the way, in loyalty to their orders. Did you want to go to the island then? asked Dick suddenly. Did you want to go to the island then? asked Dick suddenly. Oh no, but my boy here would love to go, said the man. I don't want to be seasick bobbing up and down on those waves near the island. I'm a poor sailor. I never go on the sea if I can help it. Well, we must go, said Gillian. We've got to do some shopping for my aunt. Goodbye. Come and see us as soon as you can, said the man. I've a fine television set that Martin here would like to show you. Any afternoon you like. Oh, thanks, said George. She seldom saw television. Well, come. They parted, and the four children and Timmy went on down the cliff path. Whatever made you sound so rude, Dick, said George. The way you said, what's that to do with you, sounded quite insulting. Well, I just felt suspicious, that's all, said Dick. That boy seemed to be so jolly interested in the island and in your father's work and when it would be finished. Why shouldn't he be, demanded George. Everyone in the village is interested. They all know about the tower. And all the boy wanted to know was when he could go to my island. And that's why he asked when father's work would be finished. I like him. You only like him because he was ass enough to think you were a boy, said Dick. Jolly girlish-looking boy you are, that's all I can say. George flared up at once. Don't be mean. I'm not girlish-looking. I've far more freckles than you have, for one thing, and better eyebrows, and I can make my voice go deep. You're just silly, said Dick in disgust. As if freckles are boyish. Girls have them just as much as boys. I don't believe that boy thought you were a boy at all. He was just sucking up to you. He must have heard how you like playing at being what you aren't. George walked up to Dick with such a furious look on her face that Julian hastily put himself between them. Now, no brawls, he said. You're both too big to begin slapping each other like kids in the nursery. Let me tell you, you're both behaving like babies, not like boys or girls. 
Anne was looking on with scared eyes. George didn't go off the deep end like this usually, and it was funny of Dick to have spoken so rudely to the boy on the cliff. Timmy gave a sudden little whine. His tail was down, and he looked very miserable. Oh, George, Timmy can't bear you to quarrel with Dick, said Anne. Look at him. He's just miserable. He didn't like that boy a bit, said Dick. That was another thing I thought was funny. If Timmy doesn't like a person, I don't like him either. Timmy doesn't always rush around new people, said George. He didn't growl or snarl anyway. All right, all right. Julian, I'm not going to start brawling. But I do think that Dick is being silly. Making a mountain out of a molehill just because someone was interested in Kieran Island and my father's work and just because Timmy didn't caper all around him. He was such a solemn sort of boy that I'm surprised Timmy wasn't all over him. He probably knew the boy wouldn't like it. Timmy's clever like that. Oh, do stop it, said Dick. I give in gracefully. I may be making a fuss. Probably am. Couldn't help my feelings, though. Anne gave a sigh of relief. The squabble was over. She hoped it wouldn't crop up again. George had been very touchy since she had been home. If only Uncle Quinton would hurry up and finish his work, and they could all go to the island as much as they liked, things would all be better. I'd rather like to see that television set, said George. We might go up sometime. Right, said Julian. But on the whole, I think it would be best if we stood clear of any talk about your father's work. Not that we know much. Still, we do know that once before there were people after one of his theories. The secrets of scientists are very, very important these days, you know. George, scientists are VIP. What's VIP? asked Anne. Very important people, said Julian, with a laugh. What did you think it meant? Violet, indigo, purple? I guess those are the colors Uncle Quinton would go, if he knew anyone was trying to snoop into his secrets. Everyone laughed, even George. She looked affectionately at Julian. He was always so sensible and good-tempered. She really would go by what he said. The day passed swiftly. The weather cleared and the sun came out strongly. The air smelt of gorse and primroses and the salt of the sea. Lovely. They went shopping for Aunt Fanny and stopped to talk with James, the fisher boy. Your father's got the island, I see, he said to George with a grin. Bad luck you won't be going over there so often. And nobody else will either, so I've heard. That's right, said George. Nobody is allowed to go over there for some time. Did you help to take some of the stuff over, James? Yes, I know the way, you see, because I've been with you, said James. Well, how did you find your boat when we went across yesterday? I got it all ship-shaped for you, didn't I? Yes, you did, James, said George warmly. You made her look beautiful. You must come across to the island with us next time we go. Thanks, said James, his ready grin showing all his white teeth. Like to leave Timmy with me for a week or two? See how he wants to stay? George laughed. She knew James was only joking. He was very fond of Timmy, though, and Timmy adored James. He was now pushing himself hard against the fisherboy's knees and trying to put his nose 
into his brown hand. Timmy had never forgotten the time when James looked after him so well. The evening came, and the bay was soft blue, little white horses flecked it here and there. The four gazed across to Curran Island. It always looked so lovely at this time of the evening. The glass top of the tower winked and blinked in the sun. It looked almost as if someone was signalling. But there was no one in the little glass room. As the children watched, they heard a faint rumbling sound. And suddenly, the top of the tower was ablaze with a curious glare. Look, that's what happened yesterday, said Julian in excitement. Your father's at work, all right, George. I do wonder what he's doing. Then there came a throbbing sound almost like the noise of an airplane. And once more, the glass top of the tower shone and blazed. All the wires became full of some curious power. Weird, said Dick. A bit frightening, too. Where's your father at this very moment, I wonder, George? How I'd like to know. I bet he's forgotten all about meals again, said George. Didn't he wolf our sandwiches? He must have been starving. I wish he'd let Mother go over there and look after him. Her mother came in at that moment. Did you hear the noise, she said. I suppose that was your father's work again. Oh dear, I hope he doesn't blow himself up one of these days. Aunt Fanny, can't I stay up till half past ten tonight, said Anne hopefully, to see Uncle Quinton's signal, you know? Good gracious, no, said her aunt. No one needs to stay up. I'm quite capable of watching for it myself. Oh, Aunt Fanny, surely Dick and I can stay up, said Julian. After all, we're not in bed till ten at school. Yes, but this is half past ten, and you wouldn't even be in bed then, said his aunt. There's no reason why you shouldn't lie in bed and watch for it, though. If you want to, providing you haven't fallen asleep, of course. Oh, yes, I can do that, said Julian. My window looks across to Kieran Island. Six flashes with the lantern. I shall count them carefully. So the four went to bed at the usual time. Anne was asleep long before half-past ten, and George was so drowsy that she could not make herself get up and go into the boys' room. But Dick and Julian were both wide awake. They lay in their beds and looked out of the window. There was no moon, but the sky was clear and the stars shone down, giving a faint light. The sea looked very black. There was no sign of Kieran Island. It was lost in the darkness of the night. Almost half-past ten, said Julian, looking at his watch, which had luminous hands. Now then, Uncle Quinton, what about it? Almost as if his uncle was answering him, a light shone out in the glass top of the tower. It was a clear, small light, like the light of a lantern. Julian began to count. One flash. There was a pause. Two flashes. Another pause. Three four, five, six. The flashes stopped. Julian snuggled down into bed. Well, that's that. Uncle Quinton's all right, I say. It's weird to think of him climbing that spiral stairway right to the top of the tower in the dark of night, isn't it? Just to mess with those wires. Hmm, said Dick sleepily. I'd rather he did it than I. You can be a scientist if you like, Julian but I don't want to climb those towers in the dead of night on a lonely island. 
I'd like Timmy there at least. Someone knocked on their door and it opened. Julian sat up at once. It was Aunt Fanny. Oh, Julian, dear, did you see the flashes? I forgot to count them. Were they six? Oh, yes, Aunt Fanny. I'd have rushed down to tell you if anything was wrong. Uncle's all right. Don't you worry. I wish I'd told him to do an extra flash to tell me if he's had some of that nice soup, said his aunt. Well, good night, Julian. Sleep well. End of chapter 7